Section 1 of Hypatia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Hypatia by John Toland. Chapter 1. I am going to give a short account but as full as antient books afford us materials of the life and death of Hypatia, who will ever continue the glory of her own sex and the disgrace of ours, for the women have no less reason to value themselves that there existed a lady of such rare accomplishments without the least blemish even as a foil to her numberless perfections, than the men to be ashamed that any could be found among them of so brutal and savage a disposition as far from being struck with admiration at so much beauty innocence and knowledge to stain their barbarous hands with her blood and their impious souls with the indelible character of sacrilegious murderers a bishop, a patriarch, nay, a saint, was the contriver of so hard a deed, and his clergy the executioners of his implacable fury. The authors out of whom I collect my account, and I omit none that has come to my knowledge, were either her contemporaries or lived near that age. One of them was her schoolfellow, another her scholar but they who relate the most odious and flagitious circumstances are ecclesiastical historians counted orthodox in their own time as well as eminently so by most in ours nor ought we to forget that several of them were priests to every one of them we shall do the justice that their sincerity or prevarication deserves though little remains to do in this respect all being agreed about the principal facts and some differing only in points of no great importance they are such things as taken either way neither serve much to alleviate a very bad cause nor to aggravate what cannot be possibly made worse chapter two after alexander the great had founded alexandria in egypt as the centre of commerce in the empire he was projecting this city soon became a flourishing mart for learning as well as for merchandise the fame of the alexandrian school and of the alexandrian library reached much further than the name of alexander himself or at least they carried it whither it could never have reached without their means this was the most proper tribute that could in gratitude be paid to the memory of a prince so ambitious of glory as indeed no private persons no more than potentates will ever do anything praiseworthy without the prospect of a long-lived reputation the most effectual spur to laudable and arduous undertakings. The succession of the great men that presided in this school may be learnt out of the works of those who have purposely written on such subjects. My design, however, obliges me here to mention one of them, namely Theon, who governed that academy with much applause in the latter part of the fourth century.
he was particularly famous for his extensive knowledge in astronomy as the catalogues made of such who excelled in this science abundantly show but what has contributed to render him more illustrious to all posterity is that he was father to the incomparable hypatia whom according to the custom of those times or rather prompted by the encouragement he received from her own promising genius he educated not only in all the qualifications belonging to her sex but caused her likewise to be instructed in the most abstruse sciences which are reputed the proper occupation of men as requiring too much labor and application for the delicate constitution of women chapter three that this notion is a vulgar prejudice the vast number of ladies who have in every age distinguished themselves by their professions or performances in learning furnishes an unanswerable argument whole volumes have been written containing nothing else but the lives of such women as became eminent in all kinds of literature especially in philosophy which as it is the highest perfection so it demands the utmost effort of human nature but leaving those heroines to the search of the curious i shall confine myself at present to one object worthy all admiration in doing justice to whom i may be deemed to write the panegyric of the whole sex we have the unanimous consent of synesius socrates and philostorgius her contemporaries as likewise of damascius nicephorus gregorus nicephorus callistus photius suidas hesius illustris and others touching the prodigious learning and other excellent accomplishments of hypatia what is still a greater proof of the fact no one person or through ignorance or through envy has ever as much as insinuated the contrary socrates the ecclesiastical historian an unsuspected witness says that she arrived to such a pitch of learning as very far to exceed all the philosophers of her time to which nicephorus also an ecclesiastical historian adds those of other times philostorgius affirms that she was much superior to her father and master theon in what regards astronomy and suidas who mentions two books of her writing one on the astronomical canon of diophantus and another on the conics of apollonius avers that she not only exceeded her father in astronomy but further that she understood all the other parts of philosophy a thing that will be easily credited by those who shall peruse the sequel of this story wherein nothing is advanced without competent vouchers chapter four and truly were not this matter so well attested by those writers we have just named and by others we shall presently have occasion to allege yet no body could any longer doubt of it after being informed by the very same persons that hypatia succeeded in the government of the platonic school at alexandria the place of her birth and education 
this was another guess thing god knows than taking the degree of doctor in any of the faculties which one or two women have not long since done for which they have been loaded with fulsome elegies though producing no effects suitable to the titles they have so much ambitioned but what greater glory for a woman what greater honour redounding to all women than to see a lady teaching in that chair where ammonius and heracles to name no more for tis a mistake in socrates or his transcriber to make plotinus one of them where so many professors i say uttered the oracles of learning rather as divine intelligences than mortal men what infinite merit must she have possessed who could be preferred to that conspicuous station at a time when men of immense learning abounded both at alexandria and in many other parts of the roman empire wherefore the novelty of the thing considered and hypatia's worth being universally acknowledged tis no wonder that she soon had a crowded auditory she explained to her hearers says socrates the several sciences that go under the general name of philosophy for which reason continues he there was a confluence to her from all parts of those who made philosophy their delight or study to the same purpose speak others and sweetus adds that she explained all the philosophers that is all the several sects with the particular tenets of their founders which shows an inexpressible elevation and capacity each of these separately being thought a sufficient province to exercise the diligence of any one man consummate in letters chapter five now i cannot but here represent to myself with pleasure let who will censure me for it the flower of all the youth in europe asia and africa sitting at the feet of a most beautiful lady for such we are assured hypatia was all greedily swallowing instruction from her mouth and many of em love from her eyes how she served one of this last sort shall be told in its due place it was doubtless a thing impossible not to improve under such a teacher as one must be equally stupid and insensible that could not be powerfully affected by a charming mind in a charming body i am sure this reflection is very agreeable to that philosophy she peculiarly professed and accordingly the alexandrian school never flourished more her disciples entered into a strict tie of intimacy with one another styling themselves companions or as in our colleges fellows which was likewise the custom at athens and in other famous seminaries of learning this commonly begot effects of benevolence through the whole course of their lives and sometimes acts of friendship very extraordinary hypatia was by way of excellence named the philosopher altogether as much on account of her profound knowledge as for her public profession of teaching nor was any professor ever more admired by the world or more dear to his own scholars 
hers were as remarkable as numerous. CHAPTER Six. One of these, who has preserved to us the names of several others, is the celebrated Synesius. He was a native of Cyrene in Africa, on the borders of Egypt, a very ancient Greek colony, the birthplace of Aristippus and Carnades, which Synesius forgets not to mention in his writings. He travelled for improvement to his neighbouring country of Egypt, the undoubted mother of the sciences, where he happily succeeded in his studies at Alexandria under Hypatia. This personage alone may suffice for a specimen of the extraordinary spirits that she formed, if we may rely on the judgment of no less a man than Nicephorus Gregorus, patriarch of Constantinople, who wrote elaborate annotations on his Treatise of Dreams, a piece fraught with uncommon learning, he says, There was nothing he did not know, no science wherein he did not excel, no mystery in which he was not initiated or skilled, with a great deal more to this purpose and it must be owned that to all the vivacity natural to his country there was joined the most profound knowledge and solid judgment. His works are every one highly commended, but his epistles are admirable, as Suidas very truly remarks, and in the opinion of Proteus as well as of Evagrius they are elegant, agreeable, sententious, and learned. He was a man of noble birth, which added no less weight to his learning than this relieved lustre on his quality, as both together procured him credit with his superiors, authority over his inferiors, and admiration from his equals. He went upon an embassy which lasted three years to the Emperor Arcadius at Constantinople, on the behalf of his country, which was miserably harassed by the auxiliary Goths and other barbarians, but which received considerable relief from his solicitations. It was then that, with greater boldness than any of the Grecians, as he tells us himself, he pronounced before the emperor that extremely fine oration concerning government, which, in a country so justly fond of liberty as ours, I wonder has never been translated. This defect I have supplied, and will impart it to the public on a proper occasion." As for Synesius's being consecrated Bishop of Ptolemais, notwithstanding his protestation that he disbelieved some of the most essential articles of the Christian religion, we spoke enough to that point at the latter end of Clitophorus. Only we shall observe in this place how Catavius, the editor of his works, affirms that in some of the books written after his profession of Christianity, he appears as very a heathen as ever. But this being no prejudice to his parts, however it may affect his salvation, is none of our present business to examine, much less to adopt the pitiful excuses, or rather prevarications, invented by some learned men, to defend him from this imputation. The principle is baromius. End of section 1